Okay, guys, we are live with the Winging It podcast, which is going to be a weekly show covering everything from football to boxing to MMA, anything relating to sport. You're, you know, we're, we're the place to be. Uh, today, I'm joined by Ben, who's probably going to be joining me on most weeks, along with a few other special guests. Want to introduce yourself? Hello, 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 hello. Um, I'm Ben. I am sport fanatic. Um, I've grown up around sport, love talking about sport, um, quite comfortable having uncomfortable conversations, uh, really looking forward to contributing to, to the Winging It podcast and, uh, and watching it grow and, and helping it grow. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I suppose, I suppose there's, only, there's only one real place to start, really. It's VAR. V-A-R. <laughs> where, do, where do we even start? I don't know. I don't think the pundits know. I don't think the fans know. The players don't know. Um, it's it, it's it's a minefield, and you know it's brought in to improve decisions and performances on 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 referees. But you know it's it, it it's it's not even doing that. Even the decisions that they are making, they're not you know clear cut. They're still they're still debated. Um, yeah, it's um this this so, is this is the thing because during during the World Cup. You had people like like Ian Wright, Alan Shearer, the, the people, like the respected pundits, were saying, no, this isn't right. They have to get it perfect before it comes into the Premier League. But now they're all for it. So how much money has ended up either landed in their back pocket or how have they been brainwashed into believing that this is the right thing to bring the Premier League forward? Because... Do you know what? It's, it, it's, it's a difficult one because, you know, ultimately... If, if you're a, if you're a team fighting for rele- uh, you know fighting to, to avoid relegation or you're trying to you know get into the top four or win the league or, or, or whatever front you're fighting on your individual cause as a, as a as a football club as a fan you want the big cause to be right um, you know you want them to be right so if VAR was getting rid of the gray area um, you know making it black and white yes that's a goal no that's not a goal yes that's a foul no that's not a foul and and, and it was absolutely factually correct then you know wh- wherever you end up you, you can accept I guess but but even now there's 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 still debate it's it's not cut and dry you know some of the decisions are right some of the decisions are wrong I mean even if you look at the West Ham Man City game um, that, that happened on on the weekend, you know, if it, to, to the naked eye, both of um, both of Man City's goals that were disallowed by VAR looked looked offside. Um, you know, I think Jesus's uh, goal was a lot tighter than Sterling's goal. Sterling's goal to me was was offside. I think the VAR was stopped fractionally before the ball was played, um, and it's it's just it's just not helping out. It's there's still the talking point, but now we're talking about situations that we would have spoken about historically but they're supposed to be factually correct cut and dry yes that was offside no it wasn't and, and it's still it's still not cut and dry i, I don't think it's it's it's, it's, it's concept is Ster- improving sterling goal was definitely definitely an interesting one because from what i saw when i was watching the replays it did it didn't it didn't seem offside or if it was offside it looked like it was offside by like literally not even a shoulder Less than that. Now I know that the rule for offside is obviously it's any part of the body you can score with, but it's, it's it, it, it like even even the West Ham fans didn't agree with it because I've spoken to a few West Ham fans and they were like, well, we were at the game, you know, looked onside. But it's, you know, like, luckily he got the last goal in the last minute and got his hat trick on the first day of the season. But I don't I don't see past Man City for the league this season. 
I think it's going to be a, 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 a well, it's going to be a difficult task to to stop them for sure. Um, absolutely, you know they picked up exactly where they left off last season. I know everybody's talking about you know the lead that Liverpool had towards the end of the the, the season last year, um, and you know Liverpool lost the title. But but if you you know go as far back as as last season, uh, Manchester City won 15 games in a row. They won 15 games in a row. They they won that league as much as Liverpool lost it. Um, and and they've just picked up where, where where they left off. To be honest, um, you know I think Mourinho coined a a phrase that was a bit of a a bit of a dig to to, to United, no doubt about which teams can compete for the title. Um, and you know he said Manchester City, Liverpool, Tottenham, and Manchester City's B team. Um, yeah, I'll do that. I, I was I was watching that. I was watching that. That, that was um that was that was typical Mourinho. To, to, to have a little have a little dig, but what I did find funny about Mourinho being a pundit on Sky Sports is that he's no longer his manager, but Mourinho is still bullying Luke Shaw. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> like you just can't you can't write it for him, for him to be on Sky Sports saying that that Maguire is going to have to cover up on the left side a lot of the time because Luke Shaw goes missing. But if that was the case while you were manager, why did you still play him? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, no, I mean. I mean, moving moving away moving away from the Premier League. I mean, we've got the we've got the Super Cup tonight, uh, which is between Liverpool and Chelsea. And personally, looking at the two teams and the way the way that pre-season's gone and things like that, I can see it being a cricket score for Liverpool. I can't I can't see Chelsea doing doing anywhere close to to what they should be doing in that game. Do you know what? As as much as it pains me to say, because I've got a friend who's uh, a Chelsea fan. And she'll hate me for, for for even thinking ill of Chelsea. I, I just can't see, I just can't see where they're going to get enough goals, and I can't see how they're going to prevent Liverpool from scoring. Um, it's, it's 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 a difficult task, anyway. Um, but if you look at the performance of the centre back pairing against United, you had Christiansen and you had Zuma. It you know, I think to, to to describe it as shaky is, you know, kind of an an underestimation. It's it's just not it's just not a centre back pairing that's going to keep out many uh, many Premier League teams, let alone a team that's as free scoring as Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at the two sides and compare them, you know, Allison is arguably better than Kepa. Clearly, he's got the trophies. He's won the Copa America. And if you look at if you look at the, the Chelsea attack versus the Liverpool attack, Olivier Giroud has always been known for coming off the bench and getting you a goal when you need it. He's not the kind of player getting to hit the age that he is now as well. He's not the player that's going to be able to play 90 minutes and get you two or three goals, do the running, drop in, help out with the midfield. It's just not going to happen for him. And Tammy Abraham is inexperienced. So in terms of their strike force, they are very limited. They can't sign anyone. Um, you know they've kind of brought in they've brought in Pulisic to essentially try and replace Hazard, which is not going to happen because he's you know he needs to get acclimatised to the league, and even after he's done that, has he really got the same ability? There's there's just so many questions over this Chelsea team, and I really I really do think that they they are really going to struggle to even make top six this season. I wouldn't be surprised if if they fell out of contention for Europe for sure. Um, the transfer embargo hasn't helped. It, it certainly hasn't helped, but then. You know, kind of looking, looking at it from a, you know, kind of operational and, and, and business management perspective. If you know that you can't sign players, um, you know, for the next 
two windows, three windows, four windows, whatever it ends up being. Um, surely what you've got to then do is then manage the players that you have you have at the club already. Um, look, Hazard obviously wanted to go. There was no secret of it. There's been speculation about Hazard leaving Chelsea for, you know, as, as long as I can remember. Um, you know, if he doesn't want to be there, then, you know, you can't really keep keep him there. But, you know, I look at someone like David Luiz, for example, um, deadline day signing for, for Arsenal and, and at a snip as well. Um, you know, £8 million pounds for a, a, a central defender with the experience that he's got playing in, you know, kind of European leagues across, well, across Europe, uh, hence the European leagues. Um, you know, I, I just don't see how they can let people like Louise go um, and expect to, expect to, you know, get bigger performances from some of their lesser known players. Look, I'm all about giving, giving people uh, a chance. And as you said, people need to acclimatise to the Premier League. It's a much more physical league than, you know, any, any reserve team football um, and, and the majority of other European leagues. But uh, I just can't see how they've allowed themselves to get into a position where they've got a lot of outgoings, um, well, no incomings at all. Um, but, but there's just no, there's no goals in their team. Now, I feel, I feel harsh saying it because if you look at their performance against Manchester United, um, for the first 25, 30 minutes, they could have been 2-0 up. It's a completely different game. Um, but I think their inexperience showed. Um, shocking tackle from Zuma. Uh, Rashford put the penalty away. It's a great penalty, by the way. Um, and, and it just kind of went, went downhill from there. I think at any level, when you can see two goals in, what, 20 seconds, um, it's, it's going to be difficult to come back from. Um, but I do think that they, you know, played better than than I thought they would. Um, but but looking at looking at the season as a whole and and tonight certainly, I, I just can't see how they they well they're not going to win the, the the Super Cup. Uh, I'll be so surprised if they do. Um, I will publicly apologise to all of the listeners um, if if Chelsea pull off a a shock result today. But I just can't see how they're going to pick up enough points to to stay in the top six because the teams around the top six really strengthened as well. Yeah, but it's, it's not even, you know, you're not really, you know, at this point, you're not even looking at the top six. You're going to be looking at teams like Wolves and Leicester, you know, okay, maybe potentially even West Ham if they can, if they can get, get the, the team clicking together. But you look at, you look at, you know, you've got, okay, let's say top four, you, you, you're looking at Man City, Liverpool, Spurs. That fourth spot will probably be contested by Manchester United or Arsenal. Manchester United. <laughs> the, the, the sixth, the sixth spot. You know, you're looking at a host of teams that are, that are more than capable of getting there. You, you've got Watford, you've got Leicester, you've got Wolves, Everton, Everton, who have spent big this summer. So I would imagine they'll be expecting Europe at the end of the season. Um, you know, you've you've also got you've got you've got teams like West Ham who can they, they might make it, they might not. Nobody really knows because West Ham's always been a bit of an up and down club. So you don't know whether they're going to end up in the Europa League or end up in the relegation places. <laughs> it all depends. It all depends on how the players perform on the day. But um, but it's it's, it's going to be a, definitely going to be a tough season for Chelsea. But the thing the thing is, they would have had prior warning that there is an impending transfer ban. For sure. Barcelona had the same thing, and this is when they went out and bought Luis Suarez. I mean, they bought out five or six players in one window, because then they were banned for the next two windows. They couldn't sign anyone. So they had the plan in place. Uh, okay, we're gonna go. Let's go out and spend three hundred million pounds this window, because we can't spend nothing for the next two windows. So whatever money we we spend, 
we're going to recoup by not spending any money in the next two windows anyway. Sure, exactly. And if if Chelsea have known for at least a year, because the, the, the transfer that transfer deals like such as the one as Hazard, they they are not done in one window. There is ongoing discussions between the two clubs for a length of a, a lengthy amount of time before the contracts are signed and the players transferred. Sure. So Chelsea already knew that Hazard was going. So for me, it's it's a question of what is going on behind the scenes at Chelsea for them to have not arranged to sign a replacement. And if they if they if they are considering Pulisic as their replacement for Hazard, what is going on with their recruitment? Because you cannot expect a young American winger who has played who has played second fiddle to Sancho last season at Borussia Dortmund to come in and replace Hazard and be that number that that number one guy at the club. No, for sure. Uh, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think you know, if you're if you're looking towards the future, um you know, there's an argument to say that Pulisic would be a a good investment. There's every possibility that he can become a a, a top-class player, but but he's certainly not a top-class player right now. And you know, it's always going to be difficult to replace um, you know, kind of enigma like Eden Hazard. Um, like him or loathe him, his his stats speak for themselves. He scores goals, he creates goals. Um, but but if you know, as you said, if you know that you're losing Hazard, um, you know, at, at what point do you then, you know, decide that you can replace him with, with with a development opportunity, a development project, and and only one player as well. Um, you know, they 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 didn't necessarily get the money that they could have got for Hazard. Um, you know, if you look at the extortionate transfer fee, fees that are being paid by, you know, even, even minnows in, in some of the European leagues, um, you know, they didn't really get top dollar for Hazard. So it was always going to be difficult to replace him. But, you know, as you said, you've got to you've got to forecast better. Um, I've, you know, I've always thought that Chelsea are a you know, poorly run club, um, you know, great, great players. Um, you know, they've had every success, um, you know, the period um, between I think it was 2004 and 2010. I think they won the league three times. Um, so, you know, it, it, it works to an extent. But I think, you know, Maurizio Sarri didn't didn't help. Um, you know, he's, his kind of man management was questionable anyway. Um, and, and perhaps if they had a different manager at the helm, you know, a couple of seasons ago, then that they may be in a better position than they are now. Um, but, but I just think I, I feel for Frank Lampard because I always want to see, you know, the, the, the people that I grew up watching um, as, as they take their steps into management, I want to see them do well. It doesn't matter if you're a Lampard fan or a Gerrard fan, um, you know, it, 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 it doesn't matter. Um, but, but it's nice to see, to see those players take that step into management and do well. Um, I think he done, he done a good job at Derby. Um, Derby are a very, very, very well run club. Uh, it doesn't matter who's in charge. Yeah, I mean, just just to pick up on that one. I mean, for me, you as as, a, as someone working within Chelsea Football Club, you're always going to have an issue when your owner can't even get in the country. The guy that's supposed to be funding the club and making decisions can't get in the country. That's 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 your first problem straight away. So he's now leaving the club in charge of people that might not make the same decisions that he he would make. And you sure. can you can see the difference in the last three or four years since he's been struggling with his visa issues, is that the people that are making decisions aren't making the same decisions that Roman Abramovich would make, because he would he would have gone out and spent the money that he needed to spend on players 
and and the whole thing about Mauricio Sarri is he wasn't he wasn't a Chelsea manager. He wasn't he wasn't someone that gone with the fans. He wasn't someone that gone with the players. Yeah. And for me, sure. looking at the way their season ended, it really did seem like the players went out and uh, secured for, um, fourth place, and then uh, won the Europa League just to spite him. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't because they were fighting for the club. It just, it just seemed to be be a kind of a, a message to the manager saying, look, we can do this before without you. It doesn't really bother us. No, sure. I mean, if you're smoking 200 cigarettes a day, how do you have the time to, to manage a football team? <laughs> um, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's sad. It's sad. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a London boy. Um, you know, I want London clubs to do well. Um, and, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to, to sit here and tell you... Oh. Go, go on. Apart from Millwall. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a Charlton fan, so so I don't really have any rivals, to be honest. Um, you know, I think our biggest rivals are Crystal Palace. And, you know, there's a, a fair amount of distance between us geographically. Um, and also, you know, our kind of performances on the pitch, the maturity of our clubs. Um, you know, the less said about uh, owners at the moment, uh, the, the better. Um, you know, s- s- certainly supporting Charlton against Roman uh, Duchelet, hundred percent. Um, but you know, I like to see. I, mean, I like to see our home. That's, that, is, that is an interesting argument, though, because you got promoted last season. You, we you did. Have, you have spent money during the summer to bring players in, and you're um, you, you, you're kind of sitting pretty in in the championship at the moment. I mean, we've won our first two games. Um, you know, on paper they were they were difficult ties. Um, Blackburn away uh, and Stoke at home. Um, you know, I watched the highlights of the Stoke game and and yeah, we won three one. But you know, we could have quite easily lost that game five or six three. Um, it's it's a results based business though, so you know it's difficult to to be frustrated. Um, the the biggest thing for me is that Roland has just historically wherever he's been, even before he was at Charlton. Um, has has kind of run football clubs as as a business and not not just a, a business in you know kind of making itself sustainable. It's it's all about turning a profit. So you know. Ju- so so the, so essentially, he's the Belgian Stan Kroenke. He he is exactly the Belgian Stan Kroenke, although he doesn't necessarily negotiate quite as hard um, for, for for player outgoings. You know, we we lost John Joe Shelby to Liverpool for one million pounds. Um, you know, a Hearn Grant left for, for Huddersfield for two million pounds. Um, there was talks of uh, of Lyle Taylor leaving on a on a fairly fairly low fee to Brentford or Middlesbrough. Um, you know, thankfully we we resisted. Um, I think he's going to be a a key man for us this season. Um, but but we've just never really never really got that whole negotiating part down. Um, you know, we we just I, seem I think, to. Yeah, but I do I do think a lot of a lot of Championship and League One clubs do struggle with that because um i remember a few seasons ago when um late night were on the verge of, of promotion to the championship when they lost that playoff final they went uh, and lost um moses odobejo heartbreaking for a very nominal fee heartbreaking that was yeah. heartbreaking rotherham i remember it i remember it because late orient are you know the, the, the local club to, to where i live um if if you discount west ham um which is always always sad but um you know a choice that that, that I make quite quite openly, um, Orient over over West Ham for sure. But um, that was that that was sad to see. That was really sad to see because they they actually then got relegated the season after. Um, well, they, 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 they went ahead and, and ended up with a double relegation. Yeah, and they ended up in the National League for two or three years. So back, back to back, um, similar thing happened to us. Um, although we, we we stopped our decline at 
at League One, thankfully. But um, it's it, it's 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 difficult. It's difficult. You, I mean, I, I recognise what you're saying, but then you look at some of the transfer fees that are being kind of, you know, fr- thrown around at the moment, and you've got, you know, kind of Bristol City just sold a centre back to to Brighton for twenty million pounds. Twenty yeah, million that, pounds. Yeah, that that is just that is just a ridiculous one because. I was looking. I was reading. I was reading up on this last night, actually, and um, he played one season in the championship for uh, Bristol City, and then left for, left for the Premier League for twenty million pounds. Now, bearing in mind this is Bristol City, this isn't someone that you'd expect to get promoted anyway. Sure. So I understand the reasoning behind him wanting to move, but in the same sense, before he was playing for Bristol, he's playing for Ipswich Town, who have now since been relegated to League One. So, sure. how good is he? Because Bristol City didn't, didn't didn't make the playoffs last year. Sure, it's it's difficult to assess. It's difficult to assess the the, the problem being, uh, and I don't agree with it, but you know because of the homegrown rules that are that are being or have already been introduced, um, you know throughout throughout the, the the I suppose definitely the Premiership, but but you know even in European competitions as well. Any any English or oh, sorry British player. Um, costs a lot more these days than they did um before before that all came in um so so i i recognize that you know you do pay a premium but but when you you know kind of look at it from a from a balcony view you're no longer on the dance floor and you can kind of really look at everything that's happening in in, in its entirety um you know when you're looking at players like louise moving for for eight million pounds now obviously louise definitely didn't want to go to brighton brighton probably couldn't afford to pay half of his his wages but you know if you look at the actual transfer fees that are being paid it's 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 just extortionate it's extortionate absolutely extortionate and I, i can't see how how it can continue to i suppose snowball um what 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 we're going to find soon is that you know neymar's transfer of you know 200 million euros to PSG is is going to end up being broken by somebody that's you know kind of one year out of out of the of an academy and and, and I think I think I think for me the next person to break that transfer record is Jaden Sancho. Do you, do you think? It, it, I, it, would, I would I would it, say it, so. Um, I watch I watch a lot of Bundesliga and and having watched a lot of him last season, watching him play for England in the Nations League, he's he's only getting started. And what is he? Nineteen. 18, 19, yeah, 20, he's, I, think, I, I think he's 19. Yeah, and at 19 years of age, he's Borussia Dortmund's star player, and it really would not surprise me if this season they end up winning the league because Bayern Munich are on, on a sharp decline. They and they are. Borussia yeah, Dortmund are just getting better. Um, so Dortmund just beat Munich in the uh, German, I think it's the Super Cup or whatever, the, the German Charity yeah. Shield um, was, was, was 2-0, right? And, and actually Sancho scored and assisted in that game. Um, so, you know, I, def- I definitely think he's a, he's a good player. Um, you know, if he moves this season, do I think it will be for a transfer fee that eclipses Neymar's? Maybe not. It, it depends what he does, I guess. Um, but but that's 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 a shout. Um, you know, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't disagree with it. Yeah, too, I think, I think too if strongly. he continues his rise to prominence, then we will start seeing seeing some extortionate. Because you have to remember, if he does move to a Premier League club, that club is then going to have to pay that English premium again. Because sure. he was home, he was homegrown by Manchester City. Yeah. So it it, it, it all depends, but um, 
But just going just going back to the subject of owners, I think we have to we have to kind of throw this in somewhere, and that is uh, Mr. Mike Ashley of Newcastle United. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. It's, do, do you know what it is? Is okay. Yeah, I feel sorry for the Newcastle fans, but there is a way to go about things. And um, I was I was watching the build up for the the Arsenal game on uh, on Sunday, and um, I could I could see that the, these Newcastle fans that were supposed to be boycotting the games. Um, you know, n- not renewing their season tickets. Um, it turned that it turned out that there was 300 people that turned up to protest on the day, and they marched from the Sports Direct shop to Newcastle United Stadium. Now, I don't know if you've been up to, to St James's Park, but that's not a long distance at all. <laughs> uh, are you talking? You're talking maybe five, ten minutes at most. Yeah. So it just it, the the Newcastle fans do not help their case by the way they go about things. There, there, there is a way of going about things, and there is the power of social media. And, and I think Newcastle fans would serve themselves a lot better in, you know, making their opinions heard over social media. Whether Mike Ashley's going to listen or not, it's more than likely that he's not. Yeah. But at least conduct yourself in in the right way, because you know, going down, going down to the ground and screaming and shouting about it, you, you're not going to get yourself heard. You're just going to aggravate the other Newcastle fans that are there that have actually just come to watch a game of football where they don't care about the owner. Yeah, for sure. So all, I, you're, all you're going to do is divide the fan base, which no I, football club wants. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, you've got to think, obviously, you know, there's there's going to be a fairly big portion of the Newcastle fans that are, you know, kind of under, under 16, for example. Um, you know, they might be attending games with their parents. Um, it might even be the first game that they're attending, and you know they're 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 around the ground. They're, you know they 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 can smell the food, they can see all the merchandise stands. Um, they they want to enjoy the game. Um, you know, they want to enjoy the experience. And I think you know when there's you know a small section of of fans shouting, swearing, being escorted through the city by police, um, you're almost robbing those fans of you know their their, their match day experience. Um, and, you know, is, is 300 fans protesting really going to make a difference? No, it's not. Um, all it's going to do is bring negative public uh, publicity towards to, towards Newcastle, which um, in the long run will harm its, uh, I suppose, financial capability. Um, you know, who's going to want to uh, sponsor uh, the, the club? Who's going to want to invest in them if, you know, they're, 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 they're you know, they're, they're just not in touch with, with the fans and, and, and I recognise their frustrations. Um, you know, I think they've just broken their transfer record um, signing Joel Linton, um, who looked OK against Arsenal. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, £40 million is, I suppose it is a lot of money, but but in today's terms, it's it's not a, a massive amount of money. Um, but but I think if you look at, I think over over his reign as, as owner of Newcastle, on average, I think it worked out to be around seven million pounds he spends per window, um, which, which isn't enough for a Premier League club. At least not if you look at someone like Aston Villa just been promoted. Um, you know they're outspending almost everybody in the Premier League, but but outside of that, you know they're in the top five spenders in in Europe. Um, and and I guess everybody wants their team to invest in players, um, but you know Newcastle, I think are still living in the Alan Shearer. Uh, Fastino Espria um, days where you know they're they're just used to being in the Champions League. They expect to be higher up because of the stature of their club. But football is unforgiving. It's unforgiving. Football, um, football is definitely unforgiving. I mean, if you look at if you look at a club like Newcastle, and just going back to the transfer quickly, 
everyone's saying, oh, I don't know why Newcastle fans are complaining. You know, they've broken their transfer record this year. Yes, but they also sold their top goal scorer last year to Leicester for £30 million. No, so true. they might have broken their transfer record by spending £50 million, but really they've only spent 20 Yeah. So this this whole thing of breaking a transfer record, it, transfer records don't mean anything anymore. Because your transfer record for a player could be five million pounds, and that was 15 years ago. To get a, to get a player of that quality now, you're looking at spending 50, 60 million pounds. So it's 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 a definite it's definitely a different it's, it's a difficult one. And for Newcastle fans, I you know I've always I've always liked and respected Newcastle as a club. So I I I understand where they're coming from because you know I grew I grew up supporting West Ham. Um, and, yeah. and you know, as, so, as sorry. Was, yeah. <laughs> as, as I was as I was growing up supporting West Ham, I went through the whole era of the having the Icelandic owners, having Avram Grant as manager, being relocated down to the Championship, being in the Championship and not not knowing what was going to happen with the club, because obviously this is during this is during the recession, and the Icelandic owners had just completely run out of money. And then on top of that, you know, during during their tenure, they had obviously we had the, the massive Tevez situation, which we ended up having to pay a massive fine for, and it was it was it was definitely a, it's, it's a difficult situation to be in. Uh, I think for Newcastle to move forward, they need to get a new owner in. Um, but the the issue is going to be the asking price from Mike Ashley, <clears throat> because he's he is a businessman. Um, and from what I understand, I believe the the deal with the Saudi Arabian, um, the prince or whoever it was, um, the reason that that deal broke down was because uh, Mike Ashley still wanted to own the stadium. Sure. The stadium to be called the Sports Direct Arena. Yeah. And also wanted to be, uh, withhold all of the rights for the merchandise, and that the merchandise for the club could only be sold in Sports Direct shops. Now, any yeah. conscious, conscious prospective owner coming into Newcastle United is not going to agree to that deal. Sure. Because then uh, it, leaves, not. it leaves Mike Ashley with too much of a controlling interest in the club. He controls how the merchandise is sold, where it's sold. You know, essentially, he's still, he's still going to own the stadium. Sure. So, you know, essentially, you're in you're in a you're in a West Ham situation where you don't own you don't own your ground. You're just going to be paying rent. Which is it's, it's definitely it's it's a tricky situation to be in, and I just I just hope that Newcastle United can can get it resolved relatively yeah, quickly and for move sure. forward. For sure, I, I completely agree with you. I think you know any yeah, any prospective owner that would get close to passing the fit and proper persons test is going to want to control you know the the elements that Mike Ashley is trying to retain. Um, and you know you're absolutely right when you don't own your stadium, you're in a you're in a bit of a, a situation, um, you know, look at Coventry, for example, um, you know, they don't own the, the Rico Arena. Um, now, I must admit, I'm not sure if their situation has, has changed, but the last I saw that they, they were they were going to end up playing uh, playing games at Birmingham. Um, I don't know if that's that's changed or not. Um, yeah, but... they've, uh, they've they've been evicted from the Rico Arena and um, they're currently still looking for a new a new ground. But in, in the in the interim, They've had to go and share, uh, ground share with Birmingham because they they obviously were given dead, a deadline by the EFL to go and find a stadium. Yeah. Um. And they still need to. They couldn't. They couldn't resolve their issues with 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 um the Rico Arena. Yeah. And I believe it was. I believe it's it's definitely some. There's definitely something shady going on behind the scenes there, because at the end of the day, for the arena, it's it's more revenue. Yeah. On, on a match day. For sure. But I I don't believe 
that Coventry City have the money in order to to fund the, their their home ground. Yeah, the lease for sure. And you think yeah. if, if if that situation happens in Newcastle and they they they're given you know they're given a, a period of time to find alternative stadiums, um, the only stadium remotely big enough in that part of the world is going to be the Stadium of Light, and you can you can imagine how that's going to go down. So Ab- absolutely, but. Also, the issue, the thing with Newcastle is, if you go up to Newcastle, you could literally speak to anyone on the street about football. It's a footballing city. Yeah, for sure, it's a culture. Now, if anything were to happen to Newcastle Stadium, where Mike Ashley owns it and new owners come in, and Mike Ashley decides to evict them for whatever reason, there will be riots in Newcastle, and they will be gunning for Mike Ashley. So it's 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 just it's a volatile it's such a volatile situation at the moment, and I don't think I don't think anyone within the hierarchy at Newcastle knows what's going on. Um, the fans want to know what's going on, but but no one seems to be giving them any any sort of information or indication as to as to what is actually happening. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, you know. How how are situations like this allowed to, to to develop? You know, how have the Premier League, how have the FA allowed this this situation to happen? And it's it's sad because you know you'd expect a, a certain level of protection. Um, you know, but you know, look at the EFL for example. Um, you've got you know Berry, Bolton. It's 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 sad. You know, clubs go bust. Um, you know, it happened to Wimbledon. Um, they they reformed as uh, as AFC Wimbledon. Um, and you know, thanks thankfully they're they're doing okay. Um, you know, they're, they're doing all yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, the, I think I think I think we should we should kind of save the whole Wimbledon story for another for another episode because <laughs> that's definitely something that I do because I have got a very I've got a soft spot for um for Wimbledon because obviously grow, growing up. Um, Vinnie Jones was one of my favourite players because yeah, I, was, sure. I, I was born in 1996, but I, I used to just I used to love watching all the football from the 80s, and he was one of my favourite players. Tough tackling, no nonsense. And with Wimbledon, it wasn't a case of the club was going bust. It was a case of a new owner had come in, sold the ground, and made them homeless. Crystal Palace weren't willing to to have a continuous ground share with them, so the owner decided to up and move the whole club to Milton Keynes and rename them. So, you know, essentially MK Dons is Wimbledon FC. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But obviously the fan the fans of Wimbledon are kind of a, a fan owned club now. And um I had, a, I had an email from from a colleague of mine a couple of days ago and um Wimbledon are actually ground uh, they're crowdfunding at the moment to try and um to try and get the funds together to start building their new stadium on Plough Lane, which is gonna be I think it was I think they said it was gonna be about hundred yards. From where the old Plough Lane Stadium is, yeah, which is which is an is definitely an exciting prospect, but definitely something we're going to touch on, um, in in, in a future episode. But um, I mean, going back to the Berry and Bolton situation, that is that is a very interesting one because it seems that the administrators have come in and overtaken Bolton. The first team players have either refused to play, refused to play or moved on. Um, uh, but they are still competing, even if it is with the youth team. Yeah. <clears throat> who picked up their first point actually um, on on the weekend uh, against uh, against Coventry? Uh, oh, stra- strangely enough, yeah. Um, so it was a nil nil draw. The back of the checkbook. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 an odd one because it was a nil nil draw, right? And I think it was the young it was the youngest average age uh, of a of a of a starting team in football league history. Um, so I think the average age of the Bolton starting lineup was eighteen point two years. 
it was something ridiculous. The, the oldest player was 24. Um, now, I've seen, uh, seen a picture on Twitter of the squad photo, um, and it looks like something you would see, you know, over you know, Hackney Marshes on a Saturday or a Sunday morning. It's just, uh, you know, g- generic youth players um, to, to the point where, you know I, know, I know you're a keen gamer and, um, you know, I've seen some of your videos uh, around the closed uh, beta of, of FIFA 20. Um, and Bolton's squad list um, is, is made up of fake players. Um, now, Bolton have been... Uh, you know, I suppose a club that you know certainly back in the day under Sam Allardyce, they they were they were top end of of the Premiership, um, and now they find themselves in a situation where they're you know they're they're 11 points off of bottom place uh, because they were given a 12 point uh, deduction for entering into administration anyway, um, and and literally FIFA had to create players called fake player. Uh, you know, when I say fake players, they haven't. You know, done what Pro Evo used to do where they didn't have licenses and, and just kind of called people whatever they want. They've literally called them fake player. Um, and it's, it's just such a such a sad situation. It's such a sad situation to see a football club, you know, professional football club, big stadium, um, you know, a bit of history, just literally reduced to next next to nothing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting situation, but I feel that right now, Bolton are in a much better situation than Berry are, because uh, I agree with that. Because Berry, Berry is still paying their players; they're still paying the wages of their staff. But because of what's going on behind the scenes with their finances and, and the money that they owe to creditors and, and and things like that, the EFL are not comfortable in allowing them to compete. Yeah. Now the situation, the, the situation as it stands right now is they still remain in the EFL with a 12-point deduction yeah. at the bottom of League One. But if they cannot pro- if they cannot provide sufficient evidence to the EFL by the 23rd of August, then their EFL membership will be uh, revoked. Yeah, indefinitely. terminated, for sure. So that's, that's instantly that's going to that's gonna bump them down to non-league. Now that causes a massive headache from the Football League all the way down to the National League. Because then you're only looking at three teams being relegated because but Berry would already be a relegate a relegated side. Yeah. Now for the National League, what happens? Because if Berry drops down, that's an additional team for next season. In yeah. The National League. Sure. So does that mean that you're gonna to have to promote three teams to the EFL? It, the the lateral movements within the within the pyramid are gonna be very, very interesting. It'll be interesting to see what the EFL and the National League do to to kind of facilitate that if it does come to it. Um I do understand that the owners put them up for sale. Um, and he's, he's essentially come out and said that he's done all he can. Yeah. And um, he's, it's, he's, it's he's my told... understanding somebody wants to buy them. Um, that that that's my understanding that there's an offer in for the club, um, and someone's trying to purchase them. But the I suppose the red tape, the bureaucracy, the processes around, um, you know, kind of fit and proper, proper owners, um, which are set by the EFL actually, um, is is slowing that down. So. You know, the EF, it's almost a double-edged sword because, you know, they've been given a deadline for, I think, as you said, it was the 23rd or the 26th of August, um, where they need to submit um, proof of, of, of funds, where it's going to come from so that they can pay off their creditors, exactly as you said. Um, but it's that same process set by the EFL around who can take ownership of a football club, um, which is preventing them from, from, from meeting that deadline. 
Um, you know, you'd like to think that that the the powers that be, you know, show show a little bit of sense. Um, they've already postponed their their third fixture um, for this weekend. Um, they're not allowing them to play any games, but they're also not allowing them to be sold quick enough, and they're just not going to be able to meet that deadline. Um, yeah, I mean, the 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 thing is, the EFL are looking at it from a pragmatic point of view, in the sense that they have had Barry have had the whole of preseason since the end of last season to make their moves and get the finances in place for the start of the season. That hasn't happened. They then postponed their first game to allow them to get their finances in order. That hasn't happened. They've, then they've had another a league game, a Carabao Cup game, and then another league game this weekend, which they've all been suspended because Barry still haven't been able to prove what is going on with their finances and where the money's going to come from. Now, for me as a prospective owner going into a football club, if I'm going in there knowing that I'm going to have to outlay, let's say, £750,000 before the players can even even cross the white line, that's going to put serious doubt into my mind because, yes, it's a football club, but it has to be a business. It has yeah. to turn a profit. If it's not turning a profit, it's not going to survive. I've run Sunday League teams for the last six, seven years. If the team does not generate money to to cover your losses over the course of the season and take you into the following season, then it's not financially viable and it can't continue. And it has to be very, very have to look at it in that sense. Yeah. If it not- means going down to the National League, rebuilding, paying off their creditors and then working their way back up, then that's what needs to happen. But it's crazy to think that Berry were promoted from League Two last year. They were. They were. And the prize money associated with that would have would have been a substantial amount as it is. So that the question the question on it, I think everyone's lips at the moment is, where has that money gone? How much do they actually owe? And what be in place before we can compete? So so I I I was just um, doing some some reading on that um, this morning actually, and you know the the club does have to sustain itself. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, I think it's 3.2 million that they need to prove that they can generate um to, to be able to enter the cva um and it needs to be met by i guess the new owners um and and, and not the current owner uh, otherwise they wouldn't be in that in that situation but you know berry are a long-standing football club they they were founded 134 years ago 134 years ago and it's it's just un look this businesses go bust um i get it um you know you look at you know, you look at household names like Woolworths and, you know, Blockbuster, for example. They were, you know, kind of staples of the high street. They're, they're, they're no longer around. They didn't move with the times, right? But football is an, an evolving picture. It, it, it always changes. Regulations come in. They change. Um, but, but as you said, they had, a, they had a successful year last year. They're, they're, they're coming off the back of successes. And, you know, they, they would have known. They would have known the, the financial... I suppose set of circumstances around it, and and you would have thought that 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 they would have been prepared for, you know, what whatever obligations they would have had under under certain agreements. But but to to put a figure on it, I think it was 3.2 million is what they needed to be able to show line of sight to uh, in order to satisfy uh, their unsecured creditors um, and in turn then the the the, the English Football League. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I was just saying, for a prospective owner coming in, are they really going to be able to sit there and lay out £3.2 million of their own money to enter a CVA to even get through the season? 
And and would you would you be willing to do that when there's no guarantee that you know e- even once you've you know kind of demonstrated that you could do that and you were willing to do that that the EFL will still still continue to allow you to to compete. Um, this, you know, this, this is this is the major issue, and the major issue that I have with the EFL right now is you look at the if you look over the last two three years and the amount of clubs that have gone into financial trouble within the EFL. Why are the EFL not actively checking the owners, the, the, these owners and their businesses to see what the situation is? Because I can see that owners are going to be taking money out of the club to fund their own business if it's not going well, which then puts the club into trouble. Now, the club, I can guarantee you, every owner in the EFL, the club is not their only business. Sure. So, you know, for them, for, for the clubs that are going into financial struggle... I think it needs to be a case of it needs to be investigated. And um, I was watching um, Can't Pay Will Take It Away the other day. <laughs> and he, believe it believe it or not, Swindon Town were on there. Oh, OK, cool. Um, for unpaid for unpaid um, money to a, a previous owner. Yeah. And the, 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 the owner was just, you know, all the staff were, were being very um, dismissive. They were being... Um, they, they they wouldn't they wouldn't speak to the people that were there at all, um, and it ended up getting to a point where they just turned around and said, "Look, you've got until five o'clock. If we, if we don't have some sort of payment before then, then we're going to start removing goods." Yeah. And that, that's when all of a sudden somebody got an owner on the phone and somebody, you know, you know, you know how it works. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, absolutely. The, it's it's crazy to think that these clubs are being put into these positions, and nobody knows why. Yeah. And it's through no fault of uh, uh, of the fans either. You know, let's let's bear a thought for the fans of Bury. Um, you know, in, in in the scenario you described, um, you know, the fans of Swindon. Um, it's 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 difficult because you're putting your, you know, your hard-earned money into into the club, and and it's just it's just disappearing. Um, it's, yeah. You know, it's, it's not that there's no there's no investments. It's it's not even you know covering existing overheads. Um, Absolutely, and, and and I think it's just allowed to continue over a period of time where you know you bury your head in the sand so much that eventually you know you can no longer get it out, you can't breathe, and it's 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 yeah it's 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 unfortunate, it's unfortunate, but you know that thankfully, um, thankfully it doesn't happen as regularly or to, to 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 the extremities that that we're seeing at the moment, and you know hopefully that that's a that's a sign that you know it's isolated to, to individuals as opposed to a, a systematic failure um, via the football league to you know I suppose put put their their members because um, after all they they are members of the EFL to, to put their members at risk. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, I can I can I can fully agree with that. But um, looks like we're gonna have to stop here. Um, been it's been a very very open and, and honest discussion but um i'm hoping that we're going to be back on friday um so we can do a preview of the the weekend's football sure um and and you know uh, hope hopefully um help out some of our fantasy football fans with, uh, <laughs> team selection you never know but um yeah if you if you did listen uh and you did enjoy make sure to uh, follow us on spotify and uh, give us a five star rating on itunes and uh yeah we'll, we'll see you guys in the next one thanks for listening